Hello, welcome to the third episode of Something Gra in Game Query's retrospective on Max Payne 3. We are here to talk about chapters 7, 8, and 9, and I am joined by my regular co-host, Jacob Geller. Jacob, we're That's here me. again. <laughs> we're here again. Your mustache is is thicker by twofold, dare I say. It's I'm just I'm keeping the beard at bay, and so the mustache just keeps growing because I don't even touch it. Well, the beard looks like it's fighting back. <laughs> yeah, that's it's welcome to my hair situation. All my hair is fighting me all the time. <laughs> I have all the hair, and I must. And then we have a special guest here. It's. I feel like we should have had you on Game Query three years ago, but it's finally good to have you here. JV Gwaltney is here. JV, Hi guys, hello. how are you guys For doing? The un- good. For the uninitiated, who are you? Uh, well, I used to be a Game Informer editor starting in 2015 and that ended up i want to say till 2019 august august 2019 uh and i think i worked with both of you guys while you were interns yes right yep yeah Yeah. uh and now i work for terra bruno pr so i basically help do pr for like the outer worlds uh private division uh dangerous driving to a couple of other games may i say when you were at game informer you had some of the most um interesting and personal stuff that they published mm-hmm. a lot of times like sure. game informer wasn't a super personal writing outlet no. like for the most part but you had some blogs up there that were really good and kind of kind of the writing that i do now is like more like that and i think i don't know the the stuff that i really love to read and so i was always always excited when a new jv column went up yeah, yeah thank i assume you. I assume that archive's still up, right? Like the virtual life is still on Game Informer's website. Yeah, it? I haven't looked. I've got I've got the archive somewhere backed up, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, the divorce is still fresh, <laughs> sure. sort of thing. Well, I, don't, I, gonna... I don't I don't know if I can look the kids in the face. You know, <laughs> I was going to say for any listeners at home that might not be familiar, though, if those are still up, I definitely do recommend reading those. There's some amazing ones. You had one about Stardew Valley. That is a standout. Oh, yeah. I like oh, yeah. that one. Good yeah, one. that's yeah. that's one of the few because I feel like writers, I think you guys probably have this issue, too, where it's like you look over everything that you worked on, even the things that people are excited about. And you're just like, that's garbage. I hate 85 percent of this, but the 15 no, percent. Not is me. Really... <laughs> OK, mine's all gold. <laughs> I get to mess up. <laughs> I mean, you know. You have a pretty good batting average, like, to, to sure. be completely honest. Thanks. Like, the vast majority of your pieces are really good. Like, they range from Thank really you. good to all-time great. Like, they're really I'll have really to introduce good. you all to my ghostwriter one of these days. He's great. <laughs> is, it, is it AJ Moser? Absolutely not. I am insulted at the idea. I know. That's right. <laughs> so, so, for anyone that might be joining us here on the third episode of Something Rotten, this is a Max Payne 3 retrospective where we are playing a small chunk of the game at, at a time so listeners can play along with us and then dissecting the themes, gameplay, production, and basically all topics Max Payne 3. JV, I'm curious, what is your relationship or you know familiarity with the max Payne series it's a little com- convoluted uh with three mm. in particular uh because i grew up with one and two like i was mm. one of those kids who snuck a copy of one past their parents when the game came out and everybody was oh, talking yeah. about how you know gritty and seedy it was because i was probably like mm. 10 or 11 
when it came out and I really shouldn't have been playing it, but you know, sure. uh, gamers kind of game, I guess. That, there were, <laughs> there were parental locks on that game. Well, Jacob and me talked about this on an earlier episode and that's how my dad let me play it was he would turn the parental locks on and it was still just as violent. The only thing was it turned all the cutscenes off. Oh, it's just. Okay, yeah, that, that's so it's a just weird... uninterrupted violence. There's yeah, no without <laughs> context. Yeah, yeah um, you didn't see the like one mild sex scene in that game, and you just got to loot and shoot across New York. Yeah, and I think uh, I loved Max Payne one and two. Like, they were some of my yeah. favorite games. Like, Max Payne two is the first game I remember having really interesting like ragdoll physics that weren't just goofy but kind of disturbing. You know, yeah. where like bodies would just tilt over and like, oh, he went still. You know, yeah. he, they're not, like, flopping about crazy-like. Uh, and mm-hmm. I really like the action of it. I still think that, you know, those two games in particular hold up pretty well for games that are mm-hmm. as old as they are. Um, so 3 came out, and I wasn't writing about games yet. I was just in grad school. This would have been 2011, 2012. And initially, I didn't like it that much. Like, I liked playing oh, wow. it. But it's one of those things where it was, like, so divorced from what I liked about Max Payne 1 and 2. Like, I didn't like where the story went and so on because I wanted more New York, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the scenes in Max Payne 3 where you're in New York, those are great. But, yeah, Yeah. I didn't necessarily love it. So then I came back to it uh, three years later, and I really appreciated how different it was. You know, I was a little bit older, Mm -hmm. and, you know, what I wanted from games, what I wanted from, you know, artistic mediums had changed a little bit. I was a little bit more open to experimentation. I really liked where they took Max's story. And then I revisited it a year ago after I went sober two years ago. So, you know, I I was like 200 something days into not drinking or or something, or no, like 400 days into not drinking. I was playing it and it just hit me on a whole nother level because, Mm. you know, it's, it's one of those things where you like, you go through something and you come back to an old story and you see all the things that, you know, you just see it from a different perspective. Um, yeah. And so what that game does with sobriety, because I don't think it's totally like a story about sobriety. I don't think it's really reductive to say that Max Payne 3 is an action thriller that's about sobriety. I don't think that's necessarily the whole picture. But like what it does sure. with those themes, you know, I find super interesting as someone who is who is sober. Yeah, it's you, you brought up some interesting things <clears throat> in the one when you first played it, you didn't like it because it was correct me if I'm wrong. You were saying it was like something of. At the time, you felt it was too much of a departure from the yeah, first and, two? And, and my other big criticism of it, which I still hold on to now, is, you know, mm-hmm. I know the Hauser brothers who wrote the game, you know, and they do a yeah. lot of stuff, you know, with Red Dead and Grand Theft Auto. They really like to pull from their influences. I feel like Max Payne 3 might be their most egregious, oh, we really liked Man on Fire, and we're going <laughs> to steal 75% of that movie, mm-hmm. stylistic, you know, uh, presentation and plot points and so on and so forth. Uh, and I feel like that's still, I'm bothered by that because Max mm-hmm. Payne one and two, even though they were, you know, original, even though like they used a lot of concepts from like hard boiled or, you know, the old timey noir stuff, it still mm-hmm. felt original. Even if you were in the, you know, um, even if you were familiar with those sources, but the mm-hmm. stuff that Max Payne three takes in particular from man on fire, just it, it doesn't work like you I, you're hyper aware at least i'm hyper aware of it every time i play like mm. the lens flare stuff you know yeah. how it does transitions i'm not crazy about that but outside of that i think it's a pretty great game i think it's one of the best shooters you know uh this past generation last generation mm-hmm. um yeah, i think it, i think even just if divorced from the story like the set pieces are amazing and it's 
the best sure. linear design that Rockstar has ever done. So when I was when I was playing through chapters seven, eight, and nine for recording this today, it was the first time I at least know of. I don't remember thinking this in other playthroughs, and certainly not the past two weeks when I was playing for this show, that I actually started to really miss the camp of Max Payne 1 and 2. I don't know what... I, I, I guess maybe we can dig into why these chapters made me feel that way. But it, at a point, it just... This game is really mean, mm-hmm. and it, this section of the game really puts you through the fucking ringer in terms of how much cruelty it's going to throw in your face. And I started to be like, I would give anything to just laugh for a second in this game. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's really weird how unrelentingly bleak, even with like Red Dead 2, you know, in the mm. in the rear view. Like I think, except maybe Manhunt. I think Manhunt oh, sure. is prop. Manhunt and Max Payne 3 are like the most just fist in the face, just mm. glass everywhere, shattered, like just so bleak like everything sucks for the people in those games (laughs) that inhabit those worlds and it's very strange because max Payne 3 does try to have those campy moments like or at least acknowledge the campy moments from those previous games because you'll catch like television shows or you'll run into npcs who say weird Mm. things but it's always sad like they always feel like freaks from like a flannery o'connor story with the southern twang taken out they're just like sad miserable (laughs) freaks who are in this country and max is like well, you're in the same boat I am. Okay, I got to go shoot more guys. Yeah, you know? it's that very, we've talked about this before, but Rockstar has this brand of satire that I have made clear I'm not super a fan of where it just seems like cruel, you know, that the mm. joke is just like, everyone sucks. You know, it's like, oh, you meet this guy from, I think we're probably talking about the same character. There's that like weird dude from, uh, like a North like Dakota. a cop who was in yep. yeah. Colorado or something and and you yeah you meet him again and it's just like the entire point of his character is just like sad useless waste of a man you know there's <laughs> there's nothing more there's he's not really satirizing any like specific thing or whatever it's just kind of like it's just mean and, and you're right it's like even even in their moments of levity it, it it's just kind of a, a harsh game and it feels to me like this is the rock star we demand to be taken seriously mo and part of the way they do that is by completely emulating films and another way they do that is by really never letting up on the like serious tone that they've decided this game should have and i think sometimes it really works and sometimes it doesn't um, but with that, do you want to get into the scene that we stopped right before, um, talking about last episode? Because it's maybe the most important scene yeah. for this series of, uh, chapters. Yeah, actually, uh, last episode we stopped, like, one cut scene short of chapter seven, because we knew, JV, you were going to be on the show, and you, like me, are sober now, and mm. the last cut scene of chapter six is Max deciding he's going to go sober, and... I think in the moment that cutscene is really interesting. I like that kind of transformation Max forces upon himself. But then after playing the next three chapters, I uh, wonder what it does for the story. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, uh, point being like 
I was really excited to see where that thread was going to keep going when I sat down to play today. And by the end of the third chapter I had to play through, I felt it was very shallow, that it wasn't explored in any interesting way. JV, how did you feel about it? I don't think Max Payne 3 does a great job with uh, with sobriety necessarily, like making mm. the sobriety stuff interesting. I think what it does really well is like making like drunken destructiveness like interesting yeah. in a way that games really do, where it's like, oh, this guy has a problem. It's affecting mm -hmm. the people around him in a very, <clears throat> you know, dramatic and terrible way but i do agree that like you know and resulting in deaths and and, and you mm. know because he's failing you know to function as a human being to live yeah. up to his function and obviously there's other stuff at play there like max clearly has an anger problem max is also clearly the protagonist of a third person shooter so he's gonna do <laughs> what the script wants him to do at some level but mm -hmm. There's definitely a, a tinge of disappointment, I think, with the, the sobriety stuff. Like, it doesn't really go mm. anywhere. Like, obviously, you guys will get to that point at the end, and you can have your whole discussion there. Uh, like, I'm not, you know, I don't think they ever really do anything interesting with that. Oh, Max is going to stop drinking now. Because he goes yeah. on, and he talks about, oh, I've got the headaches, and blah, blah, blah. And sort of, like, very surface-level stuff of, like, what a person goes through when they have a drinking mm. problem, they stop drinking. Like, it's... You know, it's the stuff you hear in a lot of probably sources that, you know, the Hauser brothers really dug, but it doesn't ever really get into it, right? It doesn't ever really get into yeah. like like I don't I don't believe Max that he wants to change and maybe that's the thing. It's like there's kind of like a fleeting desire of like, I wish my life was better, you know, for the people mm -hmm. around me, but it definitely feels dishonest to a degree. Like I don't think he wants to change, yeah. but that's not compelling. Like if that was I think if they executed that and it was compelling, I'd be on board about it. But it's just, it's forgotten. It feels like it's forgotten, like, after the uh, favela chapters. It's just like, oh, okay, yep, we're done. I, I, I Perhaps this is a little ironic, considering, you know, I don't drink anymore. And I did have to make that, that decision to stop. Um, but I actually think the more compelling story in this game is Max going through addiction. I mean, it's a very extreme metaphor for it where, you know, Max's life is falling apart because he's, you know, jumping off of buildings and shooting people and people are dying around him. But like there is an interesting thing the game is saying there about how catastrophic your life can seem when you're drinking and it kind of builds to this interesting head where he finally decides to go sober and then it like falls off the cliff for me yeah. right there jacob now, how do you feel about it to me the the cutscene in specific i think is a really well done and interesting yeah. cutscene i think it's super well directed i think the music is spot on as it is for basically the whole game and kind of the feeling that I get is almost like they made the scene before they had a larger mm. story. This kind yeah. of seems like a, like, here's what we're going to do with Max Payne 3. And they show this really <clears throat> incredible scene of him shaving his head and, like, doing all this stuff that I feel, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where you realize, like, oh, I've never seen a character shave their head in a video game before. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are yeah. a lot of really striking things that happen. But I think you make a good point that you kind of could have put this between any two chapters and it would have had mm -hmm. basically the same effect because the way that he behaves when he goes, you know, into the favelas or whatever 
is basically exactly the same mm-hmm. as he was behaving before that and it's not clear other than his grumblings about having I, a headache yeah what what it's done for him and so it feels to me like a almost like a a moment in time that they got pretty good and then didn't really follow through on i i think there could have been an interesting conversation this game had post sobriety where max's behavior doesn't change where basically just because you get sober doesn't mean your behavior will change like there are conscious steps you have to take after you quit drinking to actually become a better person. Right. But as far as I know, this game is unwilling to have those conversations. One thing that did stand out to me, though, and I, it, tell me if it's kind of a forced metaphor, but Max, like, decides to get sober, and then he goes to the fa- the favelas of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and even more so than when he was, you know, with the Broncos up in penthouses and kind of where they live in the city. He is very much out of his element, and the game tells you numerous times in a very dangerous way he's out of his element. That kind of resonated me, resonated with me in this weird way. I had almost forgot that when I got out of rehab, the world was really weird to me. It took me like two weeks to be able to like literally talk to people, and I remember like wanting to go back to rehab like just wanting to have that back in my life i don't know if max Payne is doing that on purpose but it did strike me that max gets sober and then ends up way out of his element in a place he doesn't understand even more so than where he was when he was drinking yeah i what i always remember about those scenes because it's real hard because i feel like that is one of the big bits in max Payne 3 that i would argue is that draws inspiration from Heart of Darkness mm-hmm. in both the best and worst ways. Like, structurally, it's really cool. You know, seeing yeah. Max get his ass kicked. It's like, it's so rare <laughs> to see, like, a character who's so macho. You know, it, it's the BJ Blazkowicz thing of, like, oh, this character is going to, you know, get his ass kicked for a while. You know, he's mm-hmm. going to be defenseless for a bit. You, he's really going to be, you know, traditionally emasculated. But also, it's the thing of, like, here's the stupid gringo navigating like you know yeah. basically a bunch of poor houses with brown people he, he's going to kill you know like there is very much a a joseph conrad like icky thing there i yeah um, i wanted to follow up like despite being struck by it i do think this game gets into some pretty gross territory pretty quickly basically the second matt max steps foot into that party in the basketball court yeah uh, it's a weird case of um, I'm assuming y'all know the term lampshading. Uh, yes. Like when no, you, actually. So so lampshading in kind of when you're talking about media is um, when you kind of draw attention to something you're doing, usually with a kind of not great trope, and by calling attention to it, it kind of seems like you're being critical of it, but you're still using that trope so an mm-hmm. example not in max Payne, is like uh you're watching a tv show and a character makes a sexist joke and then another character goes that's sexist and and then you get to laugh at the joke while not feeling bad because apparently the show is aware of itself yeah and so in max Payne 3 this whole chapter is like lampshading the chapter where max is talking about like I'm just a dumb white guy, I'm here, I'm invading this culture, like, all of these people are so used to dealing with stupid tourists like me, here I am, 
But then at the same time, it's like, it, I don't think that it's actually, I don't know, it's really hard for me to wrestle with because the game is so aware of its tropes, but it's still using the tropes so hard. Yeah, and it, I think it's like, it's not even just a, in this instance, it's not a Rockstar thing, right? I think that's honestly like, this is a video game thing. Because mm -hmm. we can point to something like Spec Ops, which tries to tackle all of those things about, oh man, war, you know, what the military does, you know, in foreign nations and what it turns people into and the choices that they have to make and how it ruins them. And mm -hmm. then it still expects you to mow down, you know, thousands of people over the course of six hours and getting achievements for, you know, killing people with different weapons and so on and so forth. And you can like say... Yeah. You know, you can say, oh, Spec Ops is in on the joke. You know, it's the mm -hmm. darkest, bleak, watchman, comedian level kind of humor. And they're in on the joke. And you can either let them off the hook, you know, because, you know, if you let them off the hook, you can let yourself off the hook. Right. That mm -hmm. feels sort of like the bargain of lamp shaving, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think Spec Ops gets away with it. I don't think Max Payne does. But I don't think it's necessarily like a fault within Max Payne itself as more as it is a video game. The thing of like people don't know how to tell stories in video games that can get past that yet. And the audience yeah. is willing, the majority of the audience is willing to entertain that and go along with the bargain so they can have a fun time, you know, and not feel shitty about it. I, I think I agree. But also there was something that sat really weird with me here where Dan, ha granted Dan House is not the only writer on this game, but he's the chief writer, you know, yeah. he uh, kind of wants to have his cake and eat it too with the setting where we end up in the favelas and there's there's this there's this moment where Max makes sure to call out that these favelas are, which you know are the poorest part of the city are now tourist attractions for rich white people to come look at and you know see how the poor live or whatever yeah. and Dan Hauser seems to really want to demonize this and call out that behavior from you know white people but also Dan Hauser you know lives in Truman Capote's old penthouse which is like our townhouse which is like the most expensive one in Brooklyn or something yeah. um which is like I don't know stuff like that always sits really weird with yeah. me no where you want to call out yourself and I think Dan Hauser does this a lot actually where he's more introspective than he seems but that doesn't always make it a good yeah, he's willing criticism, to you know? uh, indict a system that he's part of, but that doesn't necessarily, yeah. that makes it ring false, you know, yeah. to a degree. But it's, I don't know. Again, there are a lot of things I like about this sequence. I do think, mm. I, I do think I like it structurally and I like it on a metal level of like having Max navigate that, like, you know, having to navigate his newfound society or sobriety at the same time he's navigating a dangerous environment. But it sucks yeah. that that dangerous environment is poor neighborhood, black and brown people got to shoot them, you know, yeah. especially in yeah. a game that's as smart about so many things and insightful about so many things and certain bits that are so well written. Mm -hmm. Like that one sticks like these two chapters together. I think it's two chapters, maybe three really mm -hmm. sticks out as like the sore thumb of like, ooh, I don't know. Like if I ever go back and replay it, like it's always going to feel weird to replay that segment. You know, it yeah. might be one of those things where I would skip it. Um, For sure. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, these these chapters are really interesting to talk about from kind of like a, a thematic and storytelling perspective. Because I think their strength is how the setting 
reflects on Max. Like, that is interesting. And it's interesting to see him there and use the setting as a metaphor for everything he's going through. But like we talked about last week with uh, this game's treatment of women, which, uh, oh boy, uh, or do these chapters have uh, it's way worse. <laughs> some stuff to say about. There's this thing where everything is only there to mean something to Max, and the game doesn't seem to really have anything to say about that in itself and so like you will get these scenes you know even even before the kind of like named characters start dying which happens later on you go into this kind of strip club and there are there are a whole bunch of women being you know kind of brutalized in different ways and the only reason that they're really doing that is to show you that like this is a bad part of town and that's yeah you know that's it and it never goes back to that strip club it doesn't really care about the strip club i don't think it just cares about kind of how it reflects on max as a character and that means that you do get some interesting perspectives on max as a character but it means that everything around him is disposable and when you're playing with these kind of themes it feels a lot worse to make those things disposable yeah, I think disposable is a good word, especially considering what we were just talking about with like Rockstar kind of, I don't want to say pretending, but trying to make a statement about something, but also being guilty of the thing they're, you know, making the statement about. Like, disposable feels like a good word there to me. Yeah, it also feels weird. I think this is one of the parts of any fiction that does sort of this whole, like, this exists outside of video games. It's I think it's, you know, a part of the world we live in now, what we're aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, like this idea of like, ooh, only bad things really happen, and you know the bad parts of town or the CD strip club. It's like no, like yeah. all the awful things that you could imagine happening to to people uh, are happening in the high scale apartments in the mansions. You know, mm-hmm. uh, with you know, there's just so much like making people disposable, right? Either yeah. through like sex crimes or you know other uh, you know just i feel like the the what's his name jeffrey epstein 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 yeah yeah, sort of stuff like really blew that whole thing open like you know it's always been sort of people have always been aware of it you know sort of like Mm -hmm. the american psycho thing of like yuppies abusing people or you know treating people as disposable just as disposable as you know fast food or something but like when that whole requiem thing... for a dream had a that infamous scene that yeah. takes place in a literal like famous rich dude's penthouse you know yeah and, like... and it's it's interesting that this game has spent a lot of time in those elite spaces we've been in like nightclubs for the rich and whatever before but the villains of it are always kind of still you know what what max would refer to as like cheap hoods or whatever yeah. you know that that you're not there are some interesting things that happen later on with the people you're fighting but for the most part even when you're in these spaces for the incredibly you know rich and wealthy the people you're killing are still these just kind of like you know mountains of faceless poor people yeah, yeah, I mean, they're all poor, except for, like, the big main villains, which obviously, you know, we can talk about yeah. later, I guess. Uh, but, you know, it's it's definitely, like, there's no way around it. And you have to, like, decide if, you know, the whole the whole uh, bit of the story about Max basically being a pawn, you know, mm. if that lets him off the hook. 
you know, if, if it lets you off the hook too, because you are the one controlling Max, like at a certain level, you have to say, oh, I'm okay with this mm-hmm. because it's a video game, because it's fiction, because whatever. And, yeah. you know, it's, and I think it it's pretty disturbing in this game in a way that it's not disturbing in a lot of other way, a lot of other games, which I Definitely. think is to the game, ultimately to the game's credit, you know, might not be a lot of credit, but I do like that it feels weird. You know, it, yeah, it feels weird. I, I think it came out in an era where uh, a def the biggest genre in AAA video games was white guy goes to country and kills brown people. Yeah, uh, you know there was like Far Cry Three, Call of Duty, si- Call of Duty. There's six Uncharted games that are just that. Um, this one doesn't seem to shoo shoo it away, but it doesn't seem willing to take a stance on it either because you're still just doing it yeah i think we've we've talked about before one of the things that this game does maybe as an inadvertent combination of its gameplay systems and its story is that violence in this game feels so much more brutal than it does in any of those other games that you just named you know it's like when you kill someone in max Payne 3 it feels fundamentally different than when you kill someone in far cry or whatever and so it feels like the game is kind of forcing you to interact with the fact that max is killing all these people in a way that a kind of lighter game like uncharted or far cry doesn't really Mm -hmm. yeah it's got kind of good yeah no i was just gonna say jacob do you think it's cool though like how it presents but like the (laughs) slow-mo like that's the thing right like that's where Mm -hmm. it gets really weird because you know without like the slow-mo sequences and stuff which are obviously part of max Payne's heritage then you could you could sort of make an argument of like oh this is really uncomfortable but it gets even more uncomfortable when you have like oh man it's so wrong that i'm killing this guy who's you know, and I think they even talk about it at one point. I think it's uh, Passos who's like, oh, yeah, these kids join the army so they can buy Nikes, you know, so mm-hmm. they can they can wear the good clothes. So you've just shot this, like, 22-year-old in the face and blew his whole face apart in slow motion. But the backstory for that character, you know, like the little slim backstory you get for that character is some moral shades of gray. You know, there's definitely, mm-hmm. like, a strange collision that happens there. Uh, that I think about every time I, I play Max Payne 3 in a way that I didn't think about with Max Payne 1 and 2 because it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's mafiosa goons, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just Vito, it's just it's just Vito's and so on and so forth. Like, oh yeah, these, you know, these guys are, are you know, mafia. They're rich. Uh, you I, know. I, okay. I feel like where I come down on this is um, I think rocks dan hauser or rockstar or just the game itself thinks it's saying these things we're talking about but it's not at mm. the end of the day it's not willing to do it it's talking a lot without saying anything yeah um i think that's where it's it, it's like a similar thing that if you've ever seen the movie this is a weird comparison but ichi the killer yeah by takashi Miike did yeah where it's like this really interesting like commentary on violence that does it well by forcing you to reckon with why you like violence. I think this game is a case of something pretending it's saying that, but not actually like putting substance behind it. Right, because at the end of the day, it's still a commercial product made for millions yeah. of dollars, and it has to be fun. You have to make yeah. it fun. You have to make it fun. Uh, you know, and I think to the degree that's going to that's that's going to affect the story net, you know, whatever story they want to tell here 
in a slightly negative fashion because you can't I don't think it can be as nasty as it wants to be and because it can't be as nasty as it wants or as nasty as it needs to be and because it can't be as nasty as it needs to be there's like a level of it that feels perverse in a way that's not that's not necessarily um to the to the game's credit i guess you know i wish go ahead that's an interesting point because i think that there are some things that happen later on that are truly unbelievably nasty um Mm. but but then i yeah it's kind of i don't really know how to square that with the rest of the game but i think i think we should start going through some of the plot points here and then we can get to those those later things so max max goes into the favela and and remind me of the name who's he's going to rescue there there are people uh, who've been fabiana, fabiana. Mm-hmm. he's spent almost the entire game trying to rescue fabiana yeah so so <laughs> he gets he gets some intel from um at the end of the last chapter there's that soldier who's got like his leg blown off and he kind of yeah. before he dies he spits up some info that there's there's a guy who lives down here who probably has fabiana and so max just kind of wanders into the favela seemingly with no map or yeah. gps or anything and it's just like i'm gonna find her um and he gets he gets beat up he gets pushed you know into a gutter and then he ends up at this bar with this dude who he does not know but who clearly knows max and has like a lot to say to max about like various plot you know developments that are kind of beyond our understanding at this point is that right like did you feel that when you met this guy it's the beginning of all the i think on the first episode we talked about how there's a hundred different things going on in this game at the same time but they're not always pertaining to each other this is like the first moment a lot of those plot points seem to coalesce where you learn why the Krasha Prado, which we had wrong in the pre, I had wrong in the previous mm-hmm. episode. That's the paramilitary, not the just like street gang. Um, you learn that the Broncos and the Krasha Prado were somehow involved with. You don't know exactly what they were doing, but the Broncos wanted to redevelop a piece of land in the one of the poorer districts, and the Krasha Prado took care of uh, clearing that out. And all we are told is it was pretty nasty. That's where I saw it. And the uh, or that's what I saw from that moment was just this game starting to bring all its disparate pieces together. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's an interesting aspect of just like throughout this whole game. And maybe it's because I'm bad at following stories. But like (laughs) I, I think it's intentional that Max always feels very in over his head with this stuff like he's always Mm -hmm. meeting characters who have more information than he does and him kind of being like uh i guess you know it's like he he so rarely knows how to put the pieces together that you know it's kind of relatable as a player who doesn't totally know what's going on or why he's ending up in the situations he's ending up in I, he's kind of got a like Kevin James thing going on to him, where he's just kind of a bumbling idiot throughout this <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah, I, I <laughs> for sure. I think it ties into the drunkenness thing really well, though, mm-hmm. because like obviously in Max Payne one and two, he's not an omnipotent detective, but he's competent. Yeah. You know, things get crazy, sure. but he can put the threads together. In three, mm-hmm. you know, 
I think it ties well into his senses and capabilities being so damaged by how drunk he is all the time and the damage that, you know, being drunk for all those years has had on him. I think mm-hmm. thematically, that's one of the things that works really well is that sense of being lost. I think more than yeah. anything, Max Payne 3 really like gets across this idea that you are lost. You are lost mm-hmm. in a country that you don't understand. Uh, you are lost in a plot you don't understand. You're lost in your own body because you can't control yourself. You can't control your urges. You know, you everything's keep jumping fun. sideways into walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think that's like that ties into a bigger theme that intentionally mm-hmm. or unintentionally, like the game does super well. But yeah, that's I will say I was... at the end of the fir- at the end of my first playthrough and probably my second one, I don't think it was until the third game where I was actually like, oh, that's why how this faction is wrapped up into this, and that's how this yeah, one yeah. is, and this is what this politician gets from this, and so on and so forth. Like, I don't think I had, I still don't think I have one hundred percent of it, but I think I have like eighty percent of like all yeah. of that together enough to understand mm-hmm. like the big beats. That's a that's kind of what you were saying is kind of something I was saying earlier. I like Max being lost. I I do think it's unintentional here. I don't know if this game has as nuanced of a look at sobriety as just my perspective on this moment. But I do like Max getting sober and and ending up way over his head and lost in this city. Because that's like the irony of getting sober is you are just as lost for a little while. Like you are completely directionless. I don't know if this game meant to do that or if it's just like it's time to send Max to the favela and then it's a good coincidence that the story lined up that way. But for a person that is sober, it works out. Yeah. And I I don't think that makes it lesser, you know, if the intent isn't there, because I feel like there are so many like miracles of coincidence that happen in in movies and music and novels yeah uh it makes sense for it to happen in games too so i don't think you know you lose anything by Uh, by intent let me ask you all about a a interesting gameplay thing that i think is kind of only present in this level and maybe um maybe in the third level that we played for this one so so you're going through the favela you you get into a gunfight at the strip club and then it's kind of the, the the trigger goes off in the level and it goes from being kind of a slow walk to the gameplay that you're used to where you shoot everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. But in, in the favela, there are a good amount of characters who don't have guns and aren't necessarily shooting at you, but will kind of pop out of a window and then like close their shutters and go back in. And the game makes it very easy, perhaps borderline encouraging you to just shoot them because mm. death comes so quickly in this game that you're encouraged to play in a very twitchy way where the second you see movement you shoot at that movement because if they get the drop on you then you're going to take a huge amount of damage instantly and it's never really commented on and max i don't think even has any kind of like one-liners about it but i still think it's an interesting intentional choice and i want to know if you noticed that or if you had any thoughts about it yeah there's this poor woman in one of the apartments that i shoot every time like because i forget she's there and it's like the twitchy movement thing of like oh that door just moved and like i Mm -hmm. shoot as soon as it opens Mm -hmm. and it kills her but my problem uh... with it is that max being max if he like killed that woman he would absolutely like have something 
right? He would yeah. say something just because of like his whole catalyst of who Max Payne is is that a woman, you know, his wife is shot. His life is yeah. defined by, by women getting murdered near him. Yeah, so yeah. because of that one moment, like, I don't think it necessarily were. It is an interesting design choice that doesn't feel, like, fully realized, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it's not I, even, like, necessarily something like, oh, I want a game over. It's like, I want mm-hmm. Max to say something like, fuck, you know, or, or just, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like... And it's hard. I get it. You know, what's going to be the proper mm. reaction there, you know, for that character? And how do you yeah. do that into a third person shooter? So I don't think it necessarily works in the way that I would want it to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I I actually didn't know you could shoot them. No, you're just too slow, Blake. You didn't That's even get very your true. Out. That is very true. Or yeah. Blake is a psychopath. <laughs> I I sit behind cover in this game and plan accordingly. Even when I've cleared a room, I'll sit behind cover and kind of just pan the camera and be like, is there anyone else in here? I do kind of take my time. I, I feel like in the bar, I probably did kill a bunch of innocent bystanders and didn't know it because I was just leaping around everywhere. But yeah, I had no clue you could shoot the people closing their windows. Yeah, yeah you could shoot really them. And you, I mean, you go into like two apartments where there are mm. NPCs around like enemies you know, like they're yeah. like locking themselves in the bathroom or something before the shooting starts, and you can peg them if you're if you're quick or you get nervous and you walk into the door. And it's like, oh, you know, and like that moment, that idea of like, you know, the twitch, like, oh, I just shot an innocent person, and you're playing a cop, and mm. that happens is interesting, right? Like that's yeah. a, that's an interesting thing, but they never really mm-hmm. take it anywhere except, oh, well, this happened in a foreign country, and Max is in a hurry. Yeah. So let's speed along. Like I don't, I don't love that aspect of it. But he's not in too much of a hurry to make a quick stop and blow up a drug den with fireworks for <laughs> yeah. a I mean, reason. Why yeah. not? I think it was for spite. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's basically like because I've had that same question several times. You know, it's like, why is this here? Uh, and I think it just mm. comes down to like. Oh, we need to shoot out here to pad out this section with like more action sequences. And the narrative reason is Max is mad because Max is always mad and he well, wants to spite I kind them. Of, I kind of wondered if it was meant to be almost like a bizarre save the cat moment where it's like Max is Max is like a bad guy. He's, you know, he's going through, he's killing people. But, you know, he did blow up this drug den and maybe it's bad to have drugs around so i guess max does have like best interests at heart i don't think that works that's the if that weirdest. is the message but See, i that... i kind of wondered if that's what they were going for sure, that just yeah. makes me think of like a dare did you guys have dare or was <laughs> yeah. that a thing <laughs> yeah we did yeah of like just like oh we have a 80s action hero sponsored by dare you know sort of thing <laughs> of like it's so hokey i hope that's not it mm-hmm. yeah. um you know, because I feel like they don't. I feel like the whole series doesn't go out of its way to like try and lionize Max either. You know, no. I think I think that's what makes him one of, you know, gaming's most interesting protagonist. Um, is that even in the first game, like what he's doing is always, you know, it, it, it's a matter of like entropy, I guess. Of like things just going chaos, you know, chaos increasing and morality sort of like slipping out of the door as the chaos increases. 
you know, mm. that one minute is like, oh, yeah, we got to stop this cult of drug dealers that are somehow backed by a corporation in the first game. Yeah. And that becomes a sort of sad sack story of, you know, trying to stop a political conspiracy in a foreign country. But along the way, you're just shooting poor people, you know, mm. like it, I, 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 it devolves. Max Payne devolves into something that's very sad and bleak. And I think that's why my first time I didn't love it because I wanted mm -hmm. more of like my my uh, morally gray hero shooting mafia in the yeah. you know in the in a snowstorm New York. But I think the place that ultimately like big picture wise, obviously we've spent a lot of time talking about what doesn't work on a smaller level. But I think like the big picture mm -hmm. move of like this being a morally gray hero to a oh this guy's broken and he's yeah. just a piece of shit arguably you know sure. who's a pawn caught up in something beyond his understanding uh and he's allowed I, himself to become a pawn because of how much he's broken his body over the years and his mind i think that mm. is fascinating i think to your point i uh, this has been something that's crossed my mind a couple times while playing it is the way this game despite the fact like they mentioned mona Sachs's name and i think even like winners detective winnerson or winners is brought up too uh it really whitewashes max Payne 2 just out of the, <laughs> yeah. the the lore this is basically rockstar's max Payne 2 um well, Rockstar developed, I guess, because it's like a regression for the character almost from Max Payne 2, where he has finally, I mean, it ends somewhat tragically, but he finds peace. But now in Max Payne 3, somehow his life has unraveled, you know? That's, yeah, that's the problem when you keep making stories with anti-heroes. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, arguably that's why BoJack Horseman should have been one less season or whatever is like, you can't keep getting, I mean... Maybe you can keep getting better and getting worse because that is often how recovery works. But as mm -hmm. a storytelling thing, it really feels like you're just, you know, walking in place sometimes. And yeah. the way that there is a line in a level in the in the next level in this game where he's like, well, aside from all that Mona business. And yeah. that's like, that's it. <laughs> like that's, He just kind of yeah. throws it out the window. Like, I, you I, can I, find... I think actually that was that moment that really made me dislike the game yeah. on my first playthrough was as someone who had enjoyed Max Payne 2 the best. Mm -hmm. I think that was my favorite. I think I liked Max Payne 2 more than Max Payne 1, if I remember my brain correctly. Yeah. Um, like, that just felt like such a fuck you to me. Mm -hmm. Sure. But... In that in that same level, by the way, that's where you he talks about winners, but you have to find her grave in that entire cemetery. Oh, <laughs> interesting. I found it just on accident, like, just ran across it and had the triangle prompt. And uh, as far as I know, those are the only two, like, tangible callbacks to Max Payne 2. Because other than that, this game just completely wipes over it. Yeah, and but I think ultimately that's a good thing. You know, sure. like, it took me uh, several years to get to that point. But I think, I, think, I think Max Payne 3 ultimately justifies that sort of movement or, you know, moving the story in that sort of, like, in that mm -hmm. way. Could they have handled, I, uh, you know, the transition a little bit more, you know, thrown in some more callbacks sure. so it's not so rough? Because, you know, beyond, like, feeling like an aggressive, like, backstep, you know, that it's just kind of a little bit sloppy. Like, just saying, oh, the mm -hmm. Mona Sachs thing, because, you know, Max cared about Mona. It's not like yeah. he just pretend, like, because that's cold, even for Max. Even for mm -hmm. Max Payne 3 Max, that's just, like, really weird. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, I think the the side effect, or, or maybe the intended effect, is that this game 
does work really well standalone and and Mm -hmm. i played it the first time this was the first max game max pain game i experienced and i didn't feel like i was missing a big chunk of the character um you know that that you can pretty much do the whole thing and have it feel like a self-enclosed story in itself um but yeah that comes at the cost of uh of his history which is pretty well established yeah so the 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 favela chapter we were talking about i think narratively it doesn't really push the story along very much outside of you learn that the cross of Prado and the broncos uh had some deals going on together so i think we can can go ahead and just move right well, to well well let's second... talk about the last scene that happens oh, okay. there which, which so you you're you're going up you're kind of like facing more well armed you know enemies it's like at first you're just kind of fighting random oh, yeah, folks sorry. and I, then I, I forgot this happened in chapter seven I yeah so so then you My get bad. to this kind of you know uh safe house whatever you get to like a big well-guarded house and you kill everyone outside of it and max just walks in it's it's a very weird i mean i know there's that kind of separation between game and cutscene where you know, Nathan Drake gets shot 40 times in the game, but then he gets shot once in the cutscene, and it's like a big deal. But in this, Max Max walks into this room. There are, like, seven people in there. He's like, let them go with his gun. They all point their guns at him, and then he's like, fuck. And, <laughs> and, and that's just kind of it. And then, you know, the kind of, like, big guy in charge shoots a woman who is not fabiana no it's fabiana oh no okay he shoots fabiana in the head and then yeah and then there's there's someone else who's her friend right yeah it's her uh sister-in-law i believe oh jesus christ i'm bad at tracking this but yeah so he's like he's like don't shoot her don't shoot her and then the guy is like okay and then he just immediately shoots fabiana and and it's just kind of one of those like boy max sure fucked up this one (laughs) laugh track uh, I'm a fan of when media doesn't make a big thing out of a character's death, almost in the 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 sense that it just like it happens. And this this game completely throws a curveball at you. It doesn't make a lot of pageantry around Fabiana dying, mm-hmm. but basically destroys Max's entire objective up to this point. You know, like he has completely failed everything he has set out to do since the beginning of this game in this one moment and it happens in two seconds um yeah which i actually really like i like that there isn't some like slow-mo song over it as fabiana's you know dramatically shot you know and she falls it's just like it does line up with admittedly the exhausting brutality of this game where and especially by chapter nine things just get so bleak that this kind of this part kind of worked for me even if max bumbled his way into fucking up his entire reason for being in brazil yeah and i think that you can argue there's a thematic cohesiveness there for the whole series right like even at some point because you know they they just wanted to make sure you understood max goes along max says something like it always starts with the death of a woman or, or some like, yeah. you know, weird thing like that. But it's true. Like uh, all of the all of Max's like misery throughout the whole series, like the catalyst of it is related somehow to like, you know, a woman being disposable, you know, and somehow yeah. like his wife is killed. 
Uh, there's a woman who dies. I think it's Winters, right? In the second game, mm-hmm. like it starts with Winters being dead. Um, so, you know, I mean, there, it does feel like it's looping back to yeah. like the origins of Max's character. And I do think there's a fair argument to be made there about, you know, how uncomfortable it is that uh, all of the women in Max's story always get sort of the short end of the stick in the most brutal ways possible. But as like a thematically cohesive thing, I think it works to a degree, mm-hmm. especially when the game itself, this game in particular is about like just getting to, just going down further and further and further. Yeah, slipping like, oh, further you thought this was rock bottom? No way, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. drunk. That's, being, that's what being a drunk is. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. oh, you thought that this was where you were going to fix your life or you thought that this moment was when things were going to get better. No, no, we got levels to go. By nature of this being a triple A video game, the, the, the like addiction metaphor here has to come in the come in by way of you killing a bunch of people and things being really awful and gory and horrific. But like, it does work in the sense that it's like, it only gets worse from here yeah i'm not sure what it says about addicts but you know like we aren't going around killing people and jumping into our walls and shit but it it works as a metaphor and maybe that's why that's easier for you know for me to like play this game and it's still uncomfortable but like yeah i feel like this is it presents its uncomfortable violence in a way that other games have tried like we talked about spec ops and we you know Mm -hmm. and another one is far cry 2 uh, mm-hmm. which people love. Um, but I feel like because of that addiction metaphor and because of like just how dedicated the whole series is, you know, is sort of like just this line chart that keeps going down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it works in a way that it doesn't necessarily work for, for Far Cry and Spec Ops, even if it doesn't work, you know, uh, all the time. And even if it's still kind of confined to the whole we're in a video game, we have to kill a lot of people because it's fun, but we also want to make yeah. you uncomfortable, sort of divide. Like it's never, it's it, it never feels like one whole piece of, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it. Like it doesn't ever feel like wholly persuasive, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's yeah. some dissonance there. Sorry. Um, I know we so... don't want to bring dissonance. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so then immediately after that, Max has the line that it's like, it's always, always a dead woman or something. And we go, we we flash backwards in time to him standing at the grave of his wife and his daughter. And it does result in unbelievably on the nose, but also one of my favorite images in the game, which is like he's saying goodbye. He kind of puts down some flowers wrapped in a newspaper or whatever. Some dudes show up. You know, we talked about just like, Johnny Italian from from the last, last series of three epi- uh, three chapters. <laughs> Some guys show up from the mob. They start shooting at him, and Max immediately takes cover behind his wife and child's gravestone, which is just blown to bits. Like almost <laughs> immediately, just big chunks, just like being blown off left and right, and it's. I mean, like I said, not subtle, but like I I do think even the first time I was playing it and I didn't really have a sense of, you know, who he was or what this was going to be, I was like that that's an image, you know, that worked yeah. for me. Yeah, so, I mean, so, I I I don't think it's a game of subtlety, you know, mm-hmm. but I do think yeah. like 
it goes all out. I think I think that's a great way of putting it, Jacob. Of like, it's it's not subtle but powerful images, you know, because I do think like Blake was talking about earlier was you know Max sort of like navigating, you know, this part of the city, you know, that he's not familiar with and which is dangerous. However, you know, much racial, you know, sort of unfortunate like uh, racial messages that scene is uh, sending. Like the structure mm-hmm. of it is really interesting and compelling in a way that's not subtle, but like the image of it is compelling. And I feel like there's so many mm. images in the game that are compelling thematically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's sort of more I, subtlety, right? Not everything yeah, has yeah. to be subtle. I think like in terms of where this chapter goes narratively and some of the just cut scenes in it, I really enjoy it. I do not like playing this level at all. Oh, it's really? brutal. I, yeah, I really I, I, I love this level, but I think the sniper yeah. segment is super annoying. Like, I, uh, yeah, I could not figure out where to go. I didn't know I had to just like walk around to the left a little bit and find him because it's like people keep coming out of that door at the top of the stairs. So I was like, well, obviously, I just run through the door that keeps opening that's in the middle of my eye line. That's how video games work. And anyway, uh, but I. I don't know. I, I like that this kind of fills in why Max ended up in Brazil. We kind of see the end of that section of his story. And there's a great moment with the mob boss, Tony Ravioli, we've dubbed him. Uh, <laughs> where, and maybe I'm jumping the gun. Maybe we should talk about some of the, the combat sections first. But there's a cutscene with him that I think is one of my favorite in the game so far. Yeah, I, I actually really like this sequence gameplay wise and story wise and the reason i like it story wise has nothing to do with max uh but i think it's the first time in three where i went from like oh passos is kind of cool to this dude rules i like him a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know he's he's really funny uh -hmm. you know i i feel like he doesn't ever really get enough shout out you know like that character in particular because he's funny and he's the perfect like like wingman i guess as much as max can have a wingman in his life yeah i kind of wish he was in the game more i actually playing through chapter seven i forgot about him entirely like he just didn't exist in my brain and then when i got to this chapter back in new jersey i was like oh yeah that guy who was like you know with me throughout all of that the soccer stadium level. Yeah, well, I mean, mm. it doesn't help. Like, that soccer stadium sucks, as we talked That's about. Big, but, yeah, I think true, this yeah. is, to me, I so I really like this level. We've talked a lot, JV, about the, uh, the difference between uh, playing this on a console and a PC and how I feel like a lot of the situations kind of demand the precision of a mouse and how it mm. feels really good to play with a yeah. mouse and keyboard. But there are there are situations where... You know, just kind of like with the limitations of a controller, it's asking a lot of you, and it's maybe yeah. hard to to do all of that. Um, yeah, but uh, the experience the experience of playing through this with a keyboard and mouse feels just like this is what Max Payne is. You know, I was dual wielding pistols the whole way through. I was diving between tombstones. Like it was a it was a good rootin' tootin' shooting <laughs> level for me. Yeah. Yeah. By this point in the game, I am definitely I think maybe it's why I didn't know you could shoot the people in the windows and whatnot, because I am thinking about every movement very carefully and like trying to be very precise. But on console that, 
you know, not having a mouse that requires me hunkering down behind cover and lining up my shots very perfectly. And this level, though, feels built for running around and jumping and everything. But if you don't have that ease of movement, which console just doesn't give you, this level can be a pain in the ass. Yeah, I've played both. I played it on Mm. PS3 when it came out, and I played it on PC, and I agree with that sentiment. Like, when I played it on console, this level really sucked. Uh, Because you are supposed to be, like, throwing yourself in the thick of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like the Dark Souls to Bloodborne thing of, like, you have no shield. Mm -hmm. Like, you think you have a shield, you don't have a shield. Uh, But I actually think this is my second favorite level in the game. Mm. Um, Not just because it's like, ooh, we're back in New York or whatever. Uh, But but Mm -hmm. it's it's as close as Max Payne gets to feeling like a bonafide uh, Wild West game in the sense of, like, how it's laid out. You know, and, like, Mm -hmm. you're constantly, like, the enemies come at you, and they're not, like, in lines or anything, and they're not, it's not vertical. You know, it's never really, like, vertical to the point that, like, certain city levels are, or certain, like, modern levels are. It's, like, you guys are pretty much on even plane most of the time. It feels like Clint Eastwood against four dudes who have shotguns and machine guns, and all he has is his pistol, and he just mows them Mm -hmm. all down. Like, I, that's what I like about that level the most. It's just, like... Standoff after standoff after standoff. Yeah, that's in a, a way great. that there feels wild west. There is an amazing moment in this level, though, where a uh, it, a van is driving at you. You see it for all of about a millisecond <laughs> yeah. before Max shoots his gun through the gates of a fence or the like. I don't know ro- what are those called? Iron rods of a fence. It's like pinpoint accurate shot into this dude's face, yep. and it is who who it, then it like crashes like... into a pillar and like yeah. you know crumbles the entrance to the cemetery. If you needed any more <laughs> on the nose of it's... like you can't go back here anymore, Max. It's such a funny dumb moment that honestly feels like something out of Max Payne too. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Rockstar has weird like bullet hole technology where I love it when it I works love it. it well when it works it really works and it looks cool when it doesn't you get really awkward looking like entrance wounds and so for me the bullet hit the guy directly in the mouth and that should not look like if it hit a piece of like normal flesh on your cheek or something but then he just had this very shallow hole across his <laughs> face it's very bizarre I, mean, I think i think this is actually worth talking about because i i i've kind of like gestured a lot at how much i like the the physics system and and yeah. kind of like the ragdolls in this game <clears throat> but there are two things Two things that it does really well, or at least sometimes does really well. One are those entrance and exit wounds, because yeah. the difference between them and other games is they are three-dimensional. Like, they actually mm-hmm. kind of, like, come out of a person's face. And this is, I mean, this is going to get really gross really quickly. But it's like, when you when you shoot a dude in the eye or whatever... It doesn't look like there's a red texture over that. It's like there is there's a big chunk of kind of like blown out bits that suddenly put over his eye in this way that mm-hmm. just like when I see those bullet cams in this game, I go like, ooh, more than I do in almost <laughs> any other game because it just yeah. feels so like physical. And then the other thing is the way that the enemies 
fall over, which which yeah. is a Rockstar thing that they started in uh, in Grand Theft Auto Four, and and you know really carried through to to GTA Five and Red Dead and pretty much everything they do now. But there's something about in Max Payne Three, just the way that enemies ragdoll after you shoot them, and and the way that bodies don't clip through each other. They really kind of fall on top of each other in this very realistic way just it makes the shooting feel real grounded and we talked for half an hour at the beginning yeah. of this episode <laughs> about the problems of that but like i do have to admit it's one of the reasons that i like like the game feel of this game so much yeah and I, I, uh, I i think that's kind of why the violence is compelling to mm-hmm. like mm. again it's not consistent but you know you take this and you 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 take the game's violence and pit it against something again, Spec Ops, because I feel like that's a, that's the closest other like triple A game that we can compare like how this is approaching violence to. Like they're not one one, but they're cousins mm. so to speak. The shooting yeah. in Spec Ops sucks. Like mm-hmm. there's no weight or anything, you know. So combining the fact that the violence is so grisly, but also making it fun. You know, because it is fun. It's probably the smoothest, mm. you know, third-person shooter of the last generation in terms of, like, just playing, especially on PC, where everything feels yeah. so good. Yeah, it's like, if you try to play Gears of War after playing this, it just feels like garbage. It's just, like, you're you're <laughs> You have so like... much mobility. You, yeah. You have mm. so much mobility. It, it feels like ballet with bullets, which is what Max Payne 1 and 2, you know, presented themselves as. But it was still mm. stiff. Even then, it was still stiff. But, like, Max Payne 3, it just feels like when you're playing that, and a lot of the time you're dying, you're doing miserably. But, like, when you're playing it and you're at your best and you're just dodging bullets left and right, you know, you're ducking your head at the right moment and servicing to take out three dudes in, like, a second in slow-mo. It's just there's no other game that can replicate that feeling, you know? Yeah. And you can't say that a lot about other games. You can't say that... <clears throat> You know, this shoot, especially shooters, because a lot of shooters are just they feel like they were made on, you know, sort of like an assembly line um, in terms mm-hmm. of like how they approach violence. But there's nothing like Max Payne 3. Yeah. There's and not curiously, even Max Payne 1 and 2. It's nothing. I yeah. also mm-hmm. think that uh, neither GTA 5 nor Red Dead really get that. And and I've already said, you know, it's like Red Dead, I think, is going for a vastly different feel. But it's like GTA, you have a character who can slow down time while shooting but it doesn't feel like Max Payne 3. Like, it, you know, yeah. there is there is just some thing that this game has uh, that, that makes it good. Anyway, Blake, you wanted to talk about, I think, t- Tony Ravioli's father. Is that your Well, your actually, hold scene? on. I, I had a small anecdote just about the uh, the way you care, the enemies fall after you kill mm-hmm. them. Uh, when I was playing t- earlier today, I shot a guy, and he was the last guy in the room that I needed to kill. And... I like shot him and I thought I killed him, but he didn't fall. He just kind of stood there for a few seconds. Like, not like he glitched out. Like it was part of an animation where he, it, it's, it's almost like in a movie where someone gets shot and they stand there. Like they can't believe what just happened. <laughs> I have never seen that happen before. And it happened. And I'm like standing there. I'll be like, did I fucking kill this guy or what? And I start to notice he, d- after like a second or two, he finally falls to the ground. I was like, that is such an awesome little animation. Have you, have you guys seen Blue Velvet? 
No, 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 no. Okay, never mind then. Never mind. There's there's <laughs> okay. something involving a guy who's like dying but standing up, and oh, you're just okay. looking at him. You're like, is he dead? Like it's that same sort of effect. Yeah. I feel like yeah. there are a lot of great there's, animations. There's that sense of kind of like they don't even know they're dead yet, <laughs> which is yeah. horrifying. Yeah, right. If it was really exactly. It was such. I don't think I've ever had that happen in a game before for me. It was like such a cool moment of like, is this? Did I kill him? Is yeah. He, what's going on? And finally, he fell over. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that that cut scene with Tony Ravioli, <laughs> who probably has a real name, we just don't remember. What's his father? Uh, I yeah, Tony Tony Ravioli Senior. <laughs> um, that cut scene. I really. There is a. I don't know who that actor is, but there's just a palpable pain in his voice the in grease. that cut scene that. Yeah, that is so good. Like, just the way he fucking... He's not even yelling anymore. He's just screaming at the top of his lungs at Max. Like, you killed my son. You killed my son. Uh, just really enjoyed that cutscene. Uh, I mean, enjoy is a weird word to use there. But, like, I don't know. Um, it's, enjoyed it's uncomfortable the... in a compelling way. And yeah, there it, it's go. surprisingly moving for a two-bit villain, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. He, just a guy on the fringes. Yeah, he's yeah. not even... You know, uh, because I think it does a really good job of reminding you, of bringing you back to the, how uncomfortable the violence is, too. Because, you know, I'm sure you yeah. guys talked about this when you shoot his Jersey Shore shitbag of a son. Yeah. Misogynist filth. Like, it feels mm -hmm. good, right? Like, seeing that, like, just having that immediate knee-jerk reaction of, like, I'm so glad actually, that guy died. I, th I uh, think we were a little split on that, actually. Okay. Well, I liked it, but then when I got yeah. to this scene, I was like... Oh, that's clever because it reminds you yeah. of like, you know, it tries to create this illusion that games don't often yeah. go for of like, oh, that guy that you killed like four hours ago um, that you just thought was a jerk and a terrible person, blah, blah, blah. And he was those things was still a person in this universe, right? Yeah. Like he had an identity. He had a father, blah, blah, blah. What does that say about all the people that, you know, you've murdered along or shot in self-defense along mm -hmm. the way, right? <clears throat> like, I do think yeah. that's a clever way to like, sort of get back at that you know to there's, get back to that thread there's also something interesting in this cutscene, and it, it's like kind of a small thing but video games especially triple a video games never the violence is never intimate i mean like a stand a, 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 mm. an exception would be like the last of us where that violence like you almost feel the punches that mm. you throw the way he beats passos with a shovel hurts to watch oh yeah oh i know exactly like, what you're talking like my brain yeah. immediately jumped to like a pristine image of him getting the crap beat out of him with the yeah, shovel like, it's yeah well it's, i think it, it speaks it, to how impersonal guns are you know that it's like yeah. you shoot a million dudes in the head and it's like all right whatever but it's like yeah maybe because it's easier for us to picture what being hit with a shovel would feel like do you know yeah. or something but yeah it it hurts and also it's, they show characters yeah. you know it's like they're pretty good at at keeping characters scratched up you know it's like you mm -hmm. see pasos has got like you know kind of like blood coming from under his hair or this this very specific mm -hmm. type of head injury that yeah it feels i think it's just more like graspable for us who have not been shot, you know, that like yeah. this feels like something that, you know, could could actually happen to us. And we know how bad it would hurt. Even like yeah. the, even the close encounters. Uh, I posted a GIF 
in our Discord before we started this, just joking around of like Max Payne three, you know, because we were talking about the game, and it's like Max like pistol whipping, you know, one of the guys, which you can do like whenever you run up to a dude and you're out of ammo or whatever. Max will sometimes like pistol whip them, and the sound that the pistol hilt makes as it cracks that guy's skull is much more disturbing to me than any of like the gaping gunshot wounds. You know, it's just like oh. Sure. All right, so so they they go through, they they shoot their way through a cemetery, they end up in this kind of like reception room, and you've got some interesting things where you kind of sneak up to a balcony, and then there are people coming, and you, you shoot them in the back. It's all it's all very fun. I mean, at I one think point you're in a morgue, I, right? Yeah, it's really cool. Shoot that. through a morgue. Did you all? Did you all find the pizza in the morgue? No. <laughs> in one of the, in, in not the main uh, autopsy room, but there's like a connected back autopsy room. I don't know if that's the proper term for those rooms. Uh, there is a body that has been freshly autopsized and a pizza just sitting next to it half eaten. <laughs> that <laughs> is I, real really I mean, that's pretty... That's pretty good gallows humor. I feel yeah, like yeah. that that's that's more in line with like Max Payne one and two humor. So maybe yeah. there's some good bits. No, in there. yeah, I I yeah. mean I think overall I just really like the tone of this level, you know, and it mm-hmm. and it feels more Max Payne one or two, you know, that that it it feels like there's some jokes and there's some serious stuff and they're all right next to each other. Um, it's a good level. And then, and then we flash back to Brazil and, and kind of flash forward in time. And it seems that Max is now in the middle of a war zone. You, yeah. you kind of, it's like, it's like suddenly they're just helicopters and there's gunfire and explosions. So I, 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 at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that playing through these chapters of the game I started to, like, for the first time, miss the camp of Max Payne 1 and 2. I think it was, like, specifically this chapter where I was like, I need a fucking break from yeah. some of this shit. Because it really, it, it feels almost, it's not quite no Russian bad, but it's like, this chapter in particular is atrocity after atrocity after atrocity. Yeah. And it's also, and, like, not no fun to play, right? Like, it feels yeah. kind of sluggish for the most part. It's, like, one of those levels where you're just walking and sneaking by. And, like, mm. when you do get into a gunfight, it's against armored, like... Yeah, they're hard. They're, um, yeah, they're hard. Yeah. You, you have, like, pea shooters against, like, dudes who are armed with, yeah. like, M4 assault rifles and have, stuff. Have you all had an issue where you go into bullet time? Not for, like... Not when you jump in bullet time, but when you just, like click the button so you can slow down time normally where headshots don't kill people in one shot uh, i ran into this i feel like sometimes numerous... it's like their helmet needs time to come off it's like you shoot them in the head and the I helmet had... hits and then it i don't know i had this happen well the first time i noticed it was in chapter seven before the paramilitary were there and then i noticed it again with the paramilitary but there was a guy without a helmet i put an entire clip into <laughs> maybe it's like, just into ri- into his head, I mean. Well, maybe he was just a Resident Evil 4 enemy. Oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah, went yeah. on the villagers. He had to go and suplex him. Um, <laughs> so so to finish the place setting here, so it feels like a war zone. You're going out. You're like, what the hell is going on? And it turns out that the very militarized police force is basically out on the streets and just killing and or throwing everyone out there into a big van you know that just Mm -hmm. just indiscriminately kind of shooting through the streets um which 
is... And, and, and also, I just want to call attention to Max has some line about the NYPD where he's like, these, these yeah. guys make the NYPD look like, you know, Girl Scouts selling cookies or whatever. And it's this is not a game that I feel like has anything real to say about police violence. But it is sure. it is an interesting line, and also, I mean, uh, I don't <laughs> I don't think Bolsonaro was in power when Max Payne three was made. But like, boy howdy, does you know military going through you know going through places in Brazil and shooting everyone using drugs feel relevant today in a kind of horrifying way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything to it, add. It's other just than it yeah. was deeply uncomfortable. It's a, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't think that it's bad that it's there like it is I do find it kind of an interesting setting but it's another one of those things where it's like this is kind of just supposed to reflect more on on the internal struggle of the character in some way yeah. than you know being a commentary so yeah I didn't even take it that way I just thought it was a bad joke or it's just like <laughs> it's just like Max is like oh gee these guys yeah. are worse than the NYPD. Oh, no. I, think, I think you're absolutely right on that. I don't <laughs> I don't want to read too much into that line. It is just interesting that there is any gesture at American police brutality in this game. You know, that that there is Max is kind of showing through that joke. It's like Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, cops beat people up sometimes. Whatever. So chapter seven and nine in the favela, I do want to call out how much I enjoy the level design of these from a just like a visual perspective like there there's a lot to look at and it's bright and interesting uh but also just the different the varying verticality of these levels Mm -hmm. is very cool Mm -hmm. there's a lot of there'll be like one arena where you're on the ground floor and you are shooting up two to three floors above you but then the next one you might be above your enemies but then there may also be enemies above you and they're all around you um i just really enjoyed like having to constantly be thinking about above and below me in mm-hmm. this level. And yeah, and that's they're it. just that's all I, I had mean, to say about the, it. The levels themselves are really hyper detailed. I feel like yeah. these like these levels are kind of one of the places where Rockstar gets to flex its we're not making a whole city, we're just making a street, but we are going to put as much detail into this street as you might see in, you know, like a city block of GTA. Yeah. It's yeah. it's kind of like the Warren Spector quote in in practice where Warren Spector was like, I want an open world game that's just a city block. You get that with like alleyways mm-hmm. in this game. It yeah. really does feel fleshed out. Yeah. So so Max shoots his way through. He he's you know, you're fighting armored guys, it's pretty hard. Um you get flashes of um uh, what's what? What's the the fail son who's still there? Mar- Marcelo, Marcello. Yeah. So so yeah. Marcelo is is being rounded up, um, uh, along with with uh, Fabiana's sister. They're both kind of thrown in a van or whatever. And so Max is like, "Well, I guess I'll follow him." Uh, and then Blake, you want to describe what happens? Oh boy. Uh, Max comes upon them just in a basically nondescript like backyard um and then marcelo is set ablaze immolated lit I think there's on a fire. specific word for there's it, like, a name they... i was about to look it up because oh, okay. um, it happens in the americans too the, yeah so he's in 
he like he's stuck in a stack of tires that are then doused yeah. in gasoline and set on fire um and and max says something like this is a super specific gang way of killing someone with the implication that kind of like the cops want it to look like it was a gang did you find well, the name, yeah JV? this is the crush up yeah this it's, is the... uh it's neck lacing oh Ooh. okay yeah. This is actually this is the Krasha Prado, I believe, that's exacting this, which we learn have a deal with the cops. So we start to see the people they are being rounded up are being taken by the cops, but also the Krasha Prado's in on it, who's like this paramilitary gun for hire group. Mm-hmm. Um and they kill Marcelo by lighting setting him burning him alive, which is always the worst shit ever to see like i do not enjoy the, you see it every now and then in movies i feel like it doesn't pop up too often but whenever i see it it just really gets under yeah, my skin it's, it is it's so another, brutal yeah it's cool it's another thing i actually really like this scene uh okay. because marcella is like the one earliest on where i'm like this guy annoys me and this might say something about me as a person playing video <laughs> games it's like yeah I'm not saying I want him to die. I want him to run into a lot of misfortune, you know, because he's like the bumbling fool, right? At worst, yeah. like uh, the wannabe Casanova. He's just kind of crude and stupid. Um, but to see him get lit on fire, like it's just it's, to see him die in that horrible of a way, mm-hmm. like it really makes me sort of like confront that like violent desire that I had earlier of like, ooh, sure. maybe I don't want that yeah like it makes it is it makes you check your you know your desires at the door i guess of like did you really want what you think you wanted uh yeah you know yeah and then max honestly does something similarly similarly terrible to someone i mean you have to go through a just dog shit uh quick time event to see it but max puts a machete through a dude's neck and it is like this whole it all happens within maybe 20 seconds and it is unflinchingly brutal yeah. in a way that like i don't know if i like but i guess fits where this game is going right now this spiral of violence and not not just spiral of violence a spiral of like inhumane brutality like it's yeah that whole rough. level feels like like a strange love child of like no Russian for modern warfare two and manhunt, like with all the yeah. stealth and brutality and just how dark it is. And like people getting yeah. mowed down in the street. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, what I will say, I, I think I don't know if sells it is the right term, but the, um, the actress who's playing Giovanna is, is appropriately, I think, traumatized by all of this and it's one of those things where it's like max kind of doesn't react to violence that much you know that he's just seen Mm. so much of it that he's never gonna be like ah gross um so being with giovanna who's just like losing her shit at this moment Mm -hmm. does make this feel i think more weighty than some of the other stuff has um and and then you you take her and you you kind of you go down in the gutter and then there's this really nice touch where they they lie there for a while and it's implied that max actually like falls asleep which which seems on one hand kind of insane but i also like in the the theme of like 
this isn't a superhero. Like, he's just this old man who's who's the old, old recovering drunk who's been put through, like, so much that the idea of him just, like, like, being in the gutter and just, like, passing out from exhaustion, I found kind of, kind of endearing. Yeah. Sure, yeah. It's it's an interesting touch, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. That's, that's yeah, the that's end it. of chapter that's nine. That's the end of chapter nine. Right. Yay. JV, JV, you didn't replay the game for this episode, right? No, because I played it four months ago or five months ago. I, I'm... Well, I, I'm just curious. Do you see? Do you see this as a game you plan to not revisit specifically because you are on the show, but like a game you will revisit again in the future? Yeah, I think I'll revisit it every couple of years, just because it's mm. more than anything. It's so much fun to play, and it yeah. it does interesting things. Like it tries to do interesting things in ways that games from its uh, time didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it tries sure. to execute on uh, ideas about violence and alcoholism uh you know about americans in different countries and you know how they sort of fuck up those countries uh in very negative ways it feels very much a game of its time but as a game of its time it's doing fascinating things Uh, yeah we haven't we haven't talked about this uh before but you as a very kind of like games and games industry literate person Let's say you just hear tomorrow that Max Payne 4 is being produced. And that's that's the only, that's the headline you don't have any more information. What would you hope, like, the article would say? Like, you know, themes, studio, whatever. Like, do you, do you even want to see this series continued in any way? And if so, by who and what does it look like? I, I don't know. To be completely honest, I think I would be open to it, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm kind of happy with how Max Payne 3 ends, which I'm not going to talk about. So mm-hmm. you guys can talk about it later. But, you know, I I'd kind of like to see the passing of the torch if they did another Max Payne, like, you know, that sort of story of like Max taking on a protege or something or like trying to help someone out. And then they end up taking the torch or like it ends, you know, because like. It feels like Max spends all of Max Payne 3 on his last leg. So where are you going to take that? You Mm -hmm. either take it to the definitive end or you pass it on. Uh, So I think that's what I'd like to see. Maybe it's just Uh, called Max Payne No no Number and it's a God of War style reboot. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, but I think I genuinely find that more interesting, you know, than, Mm. than just another numbered sequel, like even going back to New York or something. You know, I'd like to see that. I, 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 I do because I do think ultimately I want to see Max's story come to like a definite conclusion. But I'm also okay if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, because sure. a thing that games don't really do that often is that you don't you don't get closure. Like I like that idea of like you're not going to get closure with everything. And video games seem almost like allergic to that notion, right? Oh yeah, like eventually you just keep making content. So yeah, you got to keep making content. Allowed. Yeah, until the until the storyline's wrapped up, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So having something that that doesn't have closure, uh, oddly enough to me, is is appealing. So I'm good either way, I guess. You know, I'm I'm fine if this yeah. is the end for Max, or if not. Hell yeah, Jacob. What are our next two chapters? Uh, so it's no, two, it right? is it is three. This is the next episode okay. is our last one with three. So we're playing ten, eleven, twelve. There are fifteen chapters. So. 
the next okay. one will have three that's 10 11 12 and then the last one will only be 14 and 15 um but for next episode wait 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 you said 10 11 12 then you said 14 and 15 oh Oh, well, maybe, maybe we'll have three for the last one. Or maybe there are 14 <laughs> chapters. I don't know. Point is, play three chapters for next week. Okay, got it. JV, thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on. This yeah. has been great. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me on, guys. It was a fun conversation. Yeah. I really like flexing I... those game crit muscles. <laughs> sure. I think this is the first time you and me have done a podcast, video, or otherwise together. Is it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, maybe the GI show or something when you were interning maybe i don't remember yeah i don't know well we'll have to do this again sometime maybe uh, for this or or another thing because i love talking we have a we have a i mean i don't know if jacob's gonna be on it but we have a takashi miike mini series coming up after this one (laughs) so if you want to do the ichi the killer give the camera a big thumbs up he really wants to do (laughs) that very excited uh jv for for plug plug away tell people where to find you all that good stuff you know how podcasts and um you know uh what's my twitter uh my twitter is at ivy underscore jv if you want to follow me there for memes and bad takes on video games (laughs) and that's that's about it Uh, Mm um you know that's it okay yeah well thank you for inviting me on yeah, for sure. Jacob, same question. Uh, well, my you have Twitter? my YouTube channel is Jacob Geller. <laughs> my Twitter is still suspended, so I guess keep on yelling at Twitter support. But I mean, at this point, it's just kind of a waiting game, I think. Yeah. Bad boy Jacob Geller getting suspended <laughs> on right. social media platforms. It's because I said then... Super Mario Bros. 2 was ugly, and they just like they suspended <laughs> the shit out of me. <laughs> Yeah. And then I've been your host, uh, Blake Hester. Follow me on Twitter at MetallicaIsRad. And listen, read, and watch everything GameQuery is doing. It's easy to find. Just Google GameQuery. It'll pop up. I, I, right. I just want to take this second to acknowledge how cool Blake Hester is of a name. You know? Yeah. Unattached right. to the person because the person's fine at best. The but... person's mediocre. Do you think it's, it's more or less cool than Metallica is rad. <laughs> if you had to choose. I, li- I like how name. endearing Metallica is rad because it sounds like something like one of my friends who was really into Metallica when I was 14 would say. One of my well, high Or school. one of your friends who's really into Metallica right now, <laughs> as in me. Well, uh, anyways, we all make something choices. rotten. <laughs> something rotten, episode three. Good night. Mm-hmm.